Pandemic underscores transparency in frontline workforce deployment. You're listening to Insights on Longwood's Healthcare Services Radio. Coming up after the break, Ron Kaczorowski asks, if COVID-19 doesn't force change, what will? But first, Sean Drake, Tila Smith, and John King on transparency in the front lines. On June 6th, the New York Times profiled Dr. Bonnie Henry, Chief Public Health Officer for British Columbia, and her handling of the COVID-19 pandemic response. Pointed reference was made to the use and benefits of transparent and empathetic communications toward directing a province in crisis and quelling public uncertainty. Transparent directives gave residents solace by providing clear pathways to action. British Columbians were provided with relevant and hard data on what to do and what to expect. The rationale behind public health orders and advice, the justification of particular decisions, steps for what to do next, and the provision of significant role clarity brought great faith. These standard operating procedures had significant impact on flattening the curve and on reducing the mental strain associated with the COVID-19 state of emergency. Working on healthcare's front lines is, at best, dynamic and uncertain and, at worst, tumultuous. Under normal circumstances, methodologies behind planning, scheduling, and deploying frontline workforce are highly emotive for the affected staff. During a pandemic, when the health workforce is essentially executing its roles in a continual state of emergency, stress and anxiety is exasperated. The quality of working life and performance is enhanced when there are clear processes, policies, and procedures that foster transparency and objectivity. They reinforce trust, safety, and accountability within teams, ultimately leading to higher degrees of integration and innovation. Logic dictates that when practices of health workforce deployment are transparent and accessible, frontline staff benefit. When the frontline staff are provided with transparent scheduling and deployment processes, including the justification behind them, they may feel more deeply engaged and the trust in leadership is enhanced. In fact, frontline staff depend on clinical procedure to minimize feelings of distress, panic, doubt, and confusion. This is especially relevant in times of pandemic response. Clinical pathways are well-defined for patients. Why not for them? The time is right to define and set into motion consistent procedures for scheduling and deploying the dedicated men and women who care for our families and communities. When clear procedures and accurate information come together, the best in people can be brought out. As a society, we have recently witnessed the impact of information clarity. During the ongoing pandemic, communication and link decisions often slowed as leaders did not want to communicate the wrong information and were unsure of the preparedness of jurisdictional response protocols. As guidance was provided by public health authorities, we increasingly took comfort in the many inspirational stories of everyday heroes, people coming together to deliver groceries to others, health providers out of retirement to serve, selfless volunteerism to support under-equipped long-term care organizations, parents sacrificing time with their families to perform essential services, and remarkably, creative discharges from hospitals for COVID-19 patients. 
Transparency helps anyone build the confidence and trust to go the extra mile. It helps us all feel safe and secure. While transparency is one factor, availability of reliable information is another. Senior leaders, managers, and schedulers alike require meaningful information to make crucial decisions. The data that underpins those decisions needs to be precise and supported by workflows that keep the information pure and in real time. In a world of well-defined HWD methodologies at the snap of our fingers, we should be able to rapidly assess where each member of the workforce is and which skills they possess, and if they're up to date, understand which areas can get by and which are at the tipping point, identify resources, number and type to meet infinite service demand scenarios, and trigger alternate models of care when required. Instantly model resource scenarios to ensure sufficient bandwidth. How do I respond if 20% of staff are unavailable or unable to come into work? Can I safely approve that leave request in the midst of all this chaos? Did everyone take their previously approved vacation? And to maintain predictability and stability in the midst of chaos. This is a world where frontline staff know what to expect and decision makers can trust what they see. Now consider that many health systems relying on pen and paper or poorly configured electronic systems, inconsistent scheduling practices, short-term schedules, and lack of practices linked to tracking skills or authorizing temporary changes in workload. Reliance on loose processes can create confusion and anxiety, worry, and frustration at all levels of the organization. Through any tragedy, there is light. Rather than viewing health workforce deployment as a set of actions, we must recognize that the staff scheduling environment is a key to safety, compliance, and sustainability. Above all, the impact on the quality of, li of working life for employees is dramatic. Given emergency orders, many care providers have secured temporary uplifts for their, in their full-time equivalent and a degree of longer-range predictability in their schedules. The impressive capacity of clinical education has shone, and unit-based relief workforces with multiple skills have been ramped up. Across the continuum of care, an era of greater continuity takes hold. Health systems of all shapes and sizes have done their very best to deploy their frontline workforces in respectful and proactive ways. Let us ensure that substantial focus on HWD methods forms part of the new normal. Leveraging inner strength. Responding to the recent crisis has been a great equalizer, and many institutions have learned a lot about their organizational agility. Organizations that have been invested in health workforce deployment strategies and portfolios have had a significant advantage. For instance, integrated health systems in BC, Alberta, and New Brunswick were able to utilize impressive command and control structures quickly containing staff mobility and restricting potential community transmission. In many cases, these actions outpaced formal public health single-site designation orders for staff. Because such organizations had strong line of sight to organizational bandwidth, they were better able to respond. They simply had a better view of where resources could be used. 
which skills were attached to each employee, what units were meeting staffing needs, and so on. Despite the chaos of the pandemic hitting hard and fast, in such organizations leadership could act much more quickly and focus more clearly on the provision of care and activation of emergency plans. Let us acknowledge the significant impact health workforce deployment practices can have on our frontline heroes. As Matt Anderson, CEO of Health Ontario, recently stated in a webinar, don't start with governance, start with the outcome we are looking for. Sean Drake and Tila Smith are the managing partners of Workforce Edge an organization dedicated to supporting health systems in their workforce budgeting, planning, scheduling, deployment, and retention activities. John King is a senior healthcare executive with significant comparative experience. In his travels, he has recognized the crucial advantage health systems can harness when they invest in their workforce. For the full text, author credentials, and references of our insights, please visit us at longwoods.com insights. And now Ron Kaczorowski asks, if COVID-19 doesn't force change, what will? Sumatra, Indonesia, North Pacific Coast, Japan, Lisbon, Portugal, Krakatoa, Indonesia. Each of these four regions has experienced one common but extremely destructive reality. And they are not alone. They will not be the last. There have been many other areas around the world that have experienced the same devastating reality over the last few hundred years. Catastrophic tsunamis. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of lives have been lost to tsunamis. Millions of survivors have been affected for a lifetime. Why can't tsunamis be predicted so that the targeted population has enough time to effectively prepare and survive? Scientists have learned a great deal over the last few decades and are constantly trying to learn and innovate new ways to predict the precursors of future tsunamis. Unfortunately, most of the data is generated only after the damage has happened. Thankfully, that is changing as scientists have made significant strides in both monitoring and predicting the ongoing threat of potential tsunamis. Like tsunamis, pandemics are neither easy to control nor stop once they are in motion. COVID-19 has provided more than enough evidence of the devastation caused by the pandemic as witnessed in the many lives lost and by the many people who have suffered from the complicated respiratory virus who fortunately, through the dedication and skills of healthcare providers, have recovered from their ordeal. COVID-19 has also performed an unexpected stress test on our economies, including that of our healthcare systems. The outcomes have, on most counts, been discouraging. Similar to the aftermath of a tsunami, the data collected from the COVID-19 pandemic has provided a significant database to develop and build the information required for change. This information is the foundation for the knowledge required for meaningful and measurable change. But change to what and why? Who will benefit from this change and who won't? And do we really, really need to change our healthcare systems? 
The answer is as complex as it is simple. If we accept and are comfortable with the present outcomes of our healthcare systems, having now experienced the consequences of COVID-19, then let us simply continue on the course we have been on. But if the outcome of COVID-19 has been a dramatic wake-up call, then meaningful and measurable change in healthcare is non-negotiable. But how do these required changes get developed, implemented, and most importantly, get accepted? Successful change has always had a few key components. The first is change to what? If where we are is not acceptable, then what is? To answer this critical question, one needs a vision. This vision or desired state effectively communicates where we need to be and why. The where for healthcare systems is to constantly deliver meaningful, measurable, and timely value to the community of stakeholders, providers, payers, and especially patients, consumers. The why is based on the delivered outcomes of our present healthcare system. Have we, for example, delivered the desired outcomes of value-based healthcare that will achieve the vision of the quadruple aim? Have we delivered the desired outcomes of a consumer-patient-centric system? If not, might that not be the desired vision for tomorrow's healthcare system? The next success factor is the leadership for change. Change for those impacted is sometimes a difficult process to understand and adapt to. With the past, present, and future stresses of COVID-19 on individuals, we need to hold leadership responsible for and accountable to a more proactive, person-centric approach to change. True leadership understands that change will never occur without the committed involvement of people. Change under normal conditions is difficult enough. Change in a post-COVID-19 world would be, will be even more challenging. Focus, transparency, collaboration, integrity, and passion will be the required tenets of leadership. And the required leadership must be found at all levels of an organization for change to occur. Anything less is irresponsible and not the leadership tomorrow's healthcare system requires. The next important and critical success factor is people. Change will affect people in many different ways for many different reasons. If the vision is not compelling, people will resist change. If the leadership is not effective, people will not follow. But once they understand the vision and appreciate the rationale for change, the required motivation for adoption can be found. The other component to this key success factor is that people be early and active participants in the required change. Without this, people will erect significant barriers to change, and rightly so. You will have noticed that technology has not yet been mentioned in this discussion for change. I previously mentioned how critically important the data is to generate the information that creates the required knowledge, and healthcare is a knowledge-based industry. There is no doubt that technology will play an important role in the change management process. An important and key consideration, though, is that technology can and should accelerate the process and momentum of change, but not create it. 
Ron Kocharowski is Managing Director of Mareka Alliance, President of SecureLinks, and the former Chair of Kensington Health Center. Insights is produced and presented by Longwoods Publishing, providing better care through health services publishing, education, and recruitment. To learn more, visit us at longwoods.com. I'm Eric Hart. Thanks for listening.